agnostics, long-haired weirdos, short-haired weirdos, vandals, hooligans. The government has the government love. The government has the government love. The government Welcome to the Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a professor of political science at Northern Kentucky University. I'm joined today by my conservative counterpart, Cleveland area attorney and defender of freedom, Jay Carson. Hey, good evening, Mike. Hey, Jay. Yeah, we are recording a little bit early today. I had a family issue, and Jay graciously agreed at the end of his hardworking day working for, uh, well, you know, freedom and justice in the world uh, is uh, recording with me this evening. So thank it you ain't, for that. It ain't easy. You yes. know, it's <laughs> a never-ending battle, isn't it? Hey, before we get started, I want to let folks know you, you probably at this point are seeing a new Politics Guys logo. Uh, so if you don't see the normal caricature thing that we've been using for the last few years. That's been replaced now by a, uh, a, well, a symbol of a, a blue and a red hand shaking, which we thought was appropriate. And so uh, we hope you like it. We do. Uh, and and so, uh, yeah, just, just so you should know that. Also, we haven't done a listener survey since 2018, which seems like just yesterday, but it's been quite a while. And listener surveys are really helpful every once in a while to give us a sense of who you are, and also what sort of things you like and would like to see us do more of, or maybe would like to see us do less of, or just general ideas. It only will take a few minutes to, to, to fill out. We really appreciate it. I will put the link in the show notes. So that would be a huge help to us. Thank you very much in advance for that. Now, today we're going to be talking about, well, a bunch of things. It's just over a year since January 6th of 2021, the Capitol riot. We're going to talk about that, the Electoral Count Act, which is definitely related. Uh, some information about the Fed's latest meeting, inflation and, and perhaps uh, raising of interest rates. Chief Justice's Roberts' year-end report on the judicial branch. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene's Twitter ban and the larger issue of Twitter bans and the emerging conservative social media. Uh, I don't know, networks, I guess you could say, and uh, a whole bunch of listener questions we have as well that we haven't gotten to in a while we're looking forward to. So before we get to that, we will take a quick break and we will be right back to kick things off. This week marks the one-year anniversary of the Capitol riot, where a group of thousands of Largely, Trump supporters stormed the United States Capitol building, delaying certification of the presidential election until the rioters and you know, the riot adjacent, I suppose you could say, could be cleared from the site and order restored to the Capitol. Now, in his public remarks uh, on the anniversary day from Statuary Hall in the Capitol, President Biden said, one year ago today in this sacred place, democracy was attacked, simply attacked. The will of the people was under assault. The Constitution, our Constitution, faced the gravest of threats. And he continued, for the first time in our history, a president has not just lost an election. He tried to prevent the peaceful transfer of power as a violent mob breached the Capitol. But they failed. And on this day of remembrance, we must make sure that such attack never, never happens again. Now, Biden didn't refer to Trump by name, but he did speak of a president who was sitting in the private dining room of the Oval Office in the White House, watching it all on television and doing nothing for hours as police were assaulted, lives at risk, the nation's capital under siege. And he referred to Trump as seeing his own interest as more important than his country's interest and America's interest. Biden called it an armed insurrection by those who weren't looking to uphold the will of the people. They were looking to deny the will of the people. And that 
this isn't about being bogged down in the past. This is about making sure the past isn't buried. Now, that's one view of it, certainly. But on the other hand, you have folks like, well, Fox News' Tucker Carlson, who, in his remembrance of the day, said, well, not a lot happened on that day. And it was really only just a riot, maybe just barely. So there you go. Um, Now, Jay, I thought before we start discussing this look back, just I, I wanted to give folks just a quick, a very brief refresher on the timeline we're talking about, because I think that's important. Right. It start. It started out at noon on January 6, 2021, where thousands of Trump supporters gathered to hear the president insist that the election was stolen from him. And Trump told the crowd, all Vice President Pence has to do is send it back to the states to recertify and we become president and you are the happiest people. And he also encouraged the crowd to go to the Capitol building after his speech to, in his words, peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Now, at two, by 2 p.m., protesters had broken in. The Secret Service moved Mike Pence off the Senate floor. By 2.20, the building was in lockdown. 2.24, we see the first Trump tweet. Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done to protect our country and our Constitution. 2.38, Trump tweets calling for protesters to support Capitol Police and law enforcement and urges people to stay peaceful. Just before 3 p.m., rioters break into the Senate chamber. And while we don't know the exact timeline for some of these events, we now have learned that during this period, top, top Trump aides, his daughter and, well, a bunch of Fox News people were begging the president to take action. We also know that he got into a screaming match with minority leader Kevin McCarthy, who was calling while literally under siege from the rioters. Now, at 3.36 p.m. that day, a White House spokesperson tweeted that President Trump ordered the National Guard to the Capitol. At 4.17, Trump tweeted a video to supporters. I know your pain. I know you're hurt. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You've seen the way others are treated. I know how you feel, but go home and go home in peace. Now, that's more than two hours after all this started. By 6, the interior of the Capitol was secured and D.C. went under curfew. 6.01, Trump tweets, these are the things and events that happen when the sacred landslide election victory is so unceremoniously and viciously stripped away from great patriots who have been badly and unfairly treated for so long. Go home with love and in peace. Remember this day forever. Um, So there you go. Now, Jay, uh, having had a full year now to process and consider everything that went on on that January 6th, uh, and how do you see that day now with a with a year of kind of reflection? We've we've I've mentioned how President Biden characterized it and how uh, Fox News is Tucker Carlson characterized it. What about you? Um, I I would characterize it, I think, sort of the same way I did at the time, and whether that shows a lack of insight or lack of growth on my part, or or whether I was I'm, I'm right in the first place, I don't know. Uh, and that is, it was definitely a riot. It was definitely a, a violent uh, attack. Uh, I think you're correct in that there were there were people there were rioters, and there were, then there were those who were riot adjacent. Um. Uh. I I don't think it was an insurrection. Uh, it's certainly more than, you know, Tucker Carlson's, you know, obviously the, the idea of, oh, these people are just tourists uh, taking a look around. Uh, clearly, that's not the case. Um, 
clearly a lot of these people were just plain nuts, um, you know, the QAnon factions. And uh, there was some good reporting that was done earlier in this year that it also set sort of a timetable where some of like the Proud Boys and those groups uh, who were who, who had planned uh, violence were, were setting up shop uh, other places than, than the Oval where um, uh, President Trump was speaking. Um, and that they had already begun to, to move forward uh, on this, you know, during during the speech. Um, all that said, do I do I hold pre- do I hold Trump culpable for this? Um, in a moral sense, yes. Uh, obviously, he was playing with fire. He was saying things he should have known uh, could could lead to this type of violence. Uh, he's he was just plain wrong and 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 delusional i think in terms of the the whole you know the game plan of the the green bay sweep as it's uh as it's called uh, now now sort of that was the, the the name for this operation um so i i well let me ask you this jay on that because it seems to me there are at least two issues regarding regarding Donald Trump. And the first would be, well, what culpability, what responsibility does he bear for the attack itself? But then there's the second question of whether or not his, whether or not he failed to act expeditiously enough after it was clear that there was a riot in the Capitol been breached. And if so, does, if that constitutes dereliction of duty? Yes. Uh, On the first, like I said, I, I think he bears some culpability uh, for getting this started, for for ginning this up, uh, for pursuing claims that should have been uh, obvious to most everyone are, are false and meritless. Um, it's hard to say whether he actually thought they're false or meritless, yeah. right? Uh, again, my my contention has been he is sort of delusional, and it was just a. Uh, I think you you said it well once that the way the the way it works in his mind is uh, I'm a winner. Um, winners don't lose. Um, therefore I could not have lost, right. yeah. uh, you know, yep, absent, absolutely. and that's it. It just might be that, that simple in, in his mind. Um, I, I think I was pretty clear on the record last year when we were talking about impeachment, that, um, my game plan for the Democrats would have been to just bring a clean impeachment, uh, charge on the dereliction of duty, uh, which, which I think it was dereliction of duty. Um, I don't think there's any way around that. Um, not going on uh, TV live or or messaging followers immediately saying no this is this is not the way to do this um, so I, I I definitely yeah I, I would say he's culpable for dereliction of duty um, in, in issues where you start to get of well was is this a coup is it an insurrection um, there I, I I would take issue with the, that kind of characterization. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I wanted to ask you it, about that because just yeah. this week, in fact, uh, on uh, Tucker Carlson's show, Ted Cruz came on and Tucker really grilled him about because earlier Ted Cruz had called it a terror attack. And Carlson really pushed him on that. And then and, and Cruz, you know, hoping one day to be sitting in the White House as president, uh, backed up called these remarks dumb and ill-considered and all that. And I think I think uh, Carlson rightly said, you know, I, you choose words very carefully. I don't buy this for a second. But, you know, I, if you look at the Code of Federal Regulations about terrorism, the definition is the unlawful use of force and violence against persons or property to intimidate or coerce the government, the civilian population, or any segment thereof in furtherance of political or social objectives. And 
I read that definition and I think about what at least some people did on January 6th. And I said, well, no, that in fact is terrorism. I, am I, am I, well, yeah. what do you, no, I could, I could agree with that yeah. for, for, for some people. Yeah. For some people. Absolutely. Um, uh, the, the idea that this was though a, a coordinated terrorist attack, uh, uh, coordinated by Trump or Trump's people and a, a coup and, and insurrection. That's where I think, um, you know, the, the, the statements go too far. Uh, you know, for example, Again, I, I think it's I think it's worth noting that if this was a planned insurrection to overthrow the government, um, no one yeah. was was armed. Yeah. I think they they confiscated you know maybe a handful of, of people, if that, who had guns, and other people had maybe had some other weapons. But if you're going to overthrow one of the, the most powerful governments in the world uh, and have an insurrection to do that, typically you you come uh, uh, better prepared. But, but uh, and these are folks. Yeah. These are folks who who like guns and have access to them. But, but I think um, it's fair to say that uh, just like lack of knowledge of the law doesn't mean that you're not subject to the law. So people could have been acting yeah. in a way that fits the definition of terrorism without realizing that. And also, yeah. being an incompetent lawbreaker doesn't mean you're not still a lawbreaker. No, agreed. And yeah. I, I again, I'm not disputing yeah. that these folks are lawbreakers. Yeah. Um, hundreds of them, right? What I, because what I, would, been, what yeah. I would, where I would dispute is I would say, look, maybe some might be uh, subject to a terrorist sure. charge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think plenty would be tr- subject to disorderly conduct and trespassing and, uh, uh, you know, interrupting, you know, public business and, and vandalism and, you know, all these, these host of things of, of which people have been charged. Uh, and I think they should be prosecuted, uh, to the fullest extent that the facts will permit. Um, but, but again, the the sense that this was a an attempt to overthrow the government, um, right? And it probably was in, in maybe a couple people's minds, but uh, I, I don't. Well, and, and I don't. I, mean, that. I, yeah. I don't know that it's it's helpful when you know a President Biden, you know, and, and the the media speaks of this always as an insurrection. Um, again, there can be there can be a middle ground where you can say this was a riot, this was disgraceful, this was one of the darkest days. Uh, certainly in the of the 21st century uh, uh, in, in American history and, and uh, one of a, a dark day for for American democracy um, without it being treason and an insurrection. But and, and and, you know, that's and, to me to me yeah. that's and that may be just the lawyer in me coming out that look, certain charges and certain words have certain meanings. No, and, absolutely. As yeah. does right. As does terrorism. And yeah. and I, I think people are especially people who. Like, like Ted Cruz would be understandably reluctant to uh, pin that to himself. So it is kind of odd that he chose that particular word, given the negative connotation, because, of course, to a lot of people on the right, the, the, the story, the alternate reality is that the real insurrection was on uh, was on Election Day. And right. this was just simply patriots rising up to take back their government. And so to call that terrorism is just anathema to those folks. Yeah, no, and I, I get that. I mean, no one, no one likes getting called a terrorist. Yeah, no. Um, and and look by the by the definition that that you read, um, you can easily make the argument too that that someone uh, who is at a uh, say a Black Lives Matter march uh, throws a brick through a window, uh, that would that would also fit that same bill. Now, would that person be a terrorist? Yeah. Be charged with terrorist? Now, look, maybe their conduct fi- fills out that that statute. Um, but I, I think in most cases you'd be people would would sure. not 
jump and say that aha terrorism yeah right i, I think mean, it, yeah it and be, i think that's a good point it would be more of the lesser charges of vandalism disorderly conduct destruction of property and you know, rioting, all those other things. But, but I think, and I think that's important to point out, but I think there's also a, perhaps a, a lot of people would argue, and I think rightly so, a clearer link between uh, vandalism as part of a uh, some kind of social justice, whatever it is, protest, it doesn't matter what the group is, and somebody actually specifically uh, marching to and illegally entering the Capitol building specifically at a very specific time with a very specific intent to yeah. stop a particular government operation involving the peaceful transfer of power. I mean, that's about as direct a linkage of political terrorism as you can as you can get. Yes. And and if the facts bear out, some of those people, sh I think, yeah. should be charged with with that. Um, but something else I want I want to because this is something that that's been kicking around in, in my head for a while. Uh, with a lot of these, this information that's come out through the January 6th commission, um, and it's often reported, you know, breathlessly by MSNBC is, aha, here's the, the memo that shows the plan that Trump was planning to, to, you know, have a coup. He was planning to, um, uh, take over the country and, and all this stuff. And what, I mean, what, what we've seen is with this Green Bay sweep plan, uh, is one, it was a terrible plan, um. But but secondly, I, again, I don't think that's um, treason, terrorism, insurrection. Um, it's when you when you ask your lawyers, uh, hey, what what options do I have to contest the election? Yeah, let's game plan um, this. And people come up with a variety yeah. of things. And some of them are really off the wall. And there were some people in Donald Trump's orbit who were more off the wall than normal. So I agree with you on this. Yeah, that's, and that's, that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's off the wall planning. But it's it's one thing to say. Uh, listen, hey, there's this this goofy uh, act from 1877. Uh, uh, you know, maybe if we got Pence to say these, you know, states are knowledgeable, maybe that that works. And um, that, I mean, that's again, that's that's goofy as hell. I think is is how I've described it before, and how I would continue to describe it. Um, but it's also different than, hey, let's call the generals and and you know, we're 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 seizing the country by military force. Yeah, I wanted to ask you. And, you mentioned. And, and I, so, yeah, you mentioned the how that the House committee and uh, that they, they mentioned this week that they plan to release the final report before the midterm elections. And they're still waiting, I believe, on that Supreme Court ruling to get the Trump records that they requested about that. We talked about that executive privilege claim. Uh, and uh, Adam Schiff, who's a member of the committee, says that uh, public hearings could start well anywhere from a matter of weeks to a matter of months. And, and I know initially you've you said that you thought that there was really no point in this committee, uh, this commission. Now, a lot of folks would say, well, look at all we see, maybe not smoking guns. And I agree with you on the planning things, having a plan or having somebody drop a PowerPoint is a very different thing from implementing a plan. But things like getting a better sense of the timeline and what the president knew and when he knew it, once the once the rioting had actually taken place, to me, it seems like that's something that has uh, a certain very real value, even if even if, uh, you know, for people who are maybe considering whether or not they're going to support Donald Trump if he runs in 2024, people who are, well, Trump adjacent. Yeah, no, I, I, I look, I, I think there is a there is value from just the historical perspective of this, right? 
more information. And, and look, it's 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 fascinating stuff, right? To to be able to have that view into what was really going on in the Oval Office, you know, during this time. And um, I so so yeah, is is it fascinating? Yes. Um, does that change how uh, my my sense is the, the January sixth report was written um, probably more or less by January eighth of of the last year. Right. We, we know what it's going to say. The general conclusions. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, the the, the evidence be damned. So I think but, that but, was kind of my, my thing is that. Let me pull back. And, you know, uh, shortly after all of that happened, uh, Mitch McConnell, who is certainly no rhino, uh, said on the yeah. Senate floor, President Trump is practically and morally responsible for provoking the events of the day. The leader of the free world cannot spend weeks thundering that shadowy forces are stealing our country and then feign surprise when people believe him and do reckless things. I mean, that's sort of like what I just yeah. said. And, and, and you know, yeah. Kevin McCarthy said right after the event, Trump bears responsibility for what happened. So this is not a partisan conclusion to reach, or at least it wasn't in the immediate aftermath. But as we saw with Ted Cruz scrambling wildly to disavow his earlier remarks, we've seen, I think a lot of folks on the left believe what we've seen is a lot of the leadership of the Republican Party scramble away from those remarks. For instance, in uh, April of 2021, not, not too long after these events, the Republican National Republican Senatorial Committee actually created a special new award, Champion of Freedom, so they just so they could give it to Donald Trump. Uh, and have I been, have I been nominated? Yeah, you, know, you know, but and so <laughs> I, you know, I think I think a lot of folks, and I would agree, feel that Liz Cheney has it right. Not quite a week ago, she said, "Our party has to choose. We can either be loyal to Donald Trump, or we can be loyal to the Constitution." We cannot do both. And right now, there are far too many Republicans who are trying to enable the former president. And, and you know, I'm not a Republican anymore. And so it's easy for me to say, yeah, you go, Liz Cheney. What do you think about Cheney's position? And just a general sense, at least to a lot of people on the left, that the right, that not just the far right, but that a lot of establishment Republicans are enabling the president. You have Mitch McConnell, who after he said, made those remarks, said, you know, well, would you would you support him if he's, if he's the party's nominee? And he said one word, absolutely. And so yeah. that that causes a lot of people's heads to spin, I think, on the left. So no, you, to me, it doesn't be. I think it's this is one of those um situations where you know say you have the crazy uncle your your own crazy family member um you're often quite comfortable criticizing him uh, and saying all sorts of nasty things within your own family but when someone from the outside starts doing so there's a tendency to circle the wagons uh and i think that there there's part of that going on right uh part of it was the immediacy of of one this is awful and it, it should be condemned. And the second piece was then when, you know, the Democrats started sort of, yeah, the, we're going to have a commission, we're going to investigate, we're going to do this. And there was sort of this, well, you know, it's going to be the political kabuki theater. Uh, there is a, a tendency to say, oh, now, come on. Uh, I'm going to, at this point, kind of go back and, and support the guy who I just criticized. Uh defend him from from uh, criticism from the other side. I think that's just kind of a natural thing that happens um, because to some extent, these these representatives and senators see themselves to some extent. They're always tied to Trump, right, because he's in the same party and, and Trump had nominally been the, the, the 
the head of the party, his president. Well, I, so, I, yeah, I want to suggest that it's more than about Trump. And, and here's here's what I mean. I get a real sense more and more of sort of a sorcerer's apprentice type of vibe from all of this. That Donald Trump unleashed forces that nobody really can control. I mean, we saw when when Trump came out and, and said positive things about vaccines, he was he was booed, you know, uh, and, yeah. and and I think Trump may be the face of this pop, this populist rage, right wing populist rage, rage sort of thing. But it, I don't think that it's I think it's a response, not just to, well, Donald Trump is, you know, the leader of the party still, but that we recognize the power of this force and we go against it at our own peril, our own political peril. Um, there's some of that, but I, I, I would tell you, I don't think Mitch McConnell's worried about getting primaried. Well, I mean, his his approval right. rate, yeah, he like, his approval ratings, are, I think, at an all time an all time low. But and maybe, maybe you're right about that. But uh, but but yeah. Um, uh, so you know, I want to I want to talk about the sort of larger forces. Some, some things I want to run by you. Before I do, we just want to take a quick break, and we will get back and talk about that. So, yeah, Jay, you know, I, like I said, I wanted to get into some of these, the bigger picture of this. You know, there's this whole idea of essentially to be a, at least among some people, to be a Republican in good standing, you have to believe what we on the left, are, uh, and I think a lot of centrists call the big lie, right, that the Republican, yeah. that, that the nomination was stolen. And uh, this is not an uncommon Belief. Uh, a recent PRRI poll found that 68% of Republicans either mostly or completely agree that the 2020 presidential election was stolen for Trump, and 40% of them completely agree. Now, for people who say in the survey that they mostly trust Fox News, 82% mostly or completely agree the election was stolen, with 47% completely agreeing. Now, if you compare that to 2016, According to a Gallup poll that was released shortly after that election, 76 percent of Clinton voters accepted Trump as the legitimate president. And, and so this just isn't that was before they heard about the Russians. Well, then this, this isn't just in the general public. This we, we see supposedly responsible people. Uh, who are are pushing this. And it's not just Tucker Carlson's what I'm saying, though, you can argue that he is the most influential conservative voice who's not an office holder at this point. But take, for instance, in our own state of Ohio, Josh, present company excluded. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. of course. Josh, <laughs> Josh, Man, Josh Mandel, who right now is, I would say, the odds on favorite to replace Rob Portman as one of Ohio's U.S. senators. He has repeatedly and proudly said that the election was stolen from Donald Trump. And again, he's just one example. There are plenty of them. So I, I, it seems to me that this is, you know, and you, I, the reason I mentioned 2016 is in the past we've talked about this and you've mentioned, well, there are Democrats who felt that, you know, not my president. And you're absolutely right. But I think we're seeing this at a far greater level now. And I think in part because back then there were maybe a few people you mentioned. I, I Whenever I think of this, I think of Maxine Waters because you like to bring up bring her up for, for obvious oh, reasons. She injects herself into a lot but of yeah, things. But. Exactly. <laughs> but, but this to me is being done at a scale being, well, Liz Cheney's words, enabled at a scale that we've never seen before. And it's, it's concerning to me. And I wanted to get your take on that. Um, I'm not sure. You know, this is it's a tough question to answer because 
it's there's sort of the the Pauline Keel effect, right? I'm, I don't know. You, you probably know what I'm yeah, talking I about. I do. But, but listeners, our listeners know. Yeah. Pauline, Pauline Keel was a, um, a film critic for the New York Times in the 60s, 70s, and famously responded after Nixon was elected. Uh, I can't believe he won. Uh, nobody I know voted for him. Um, or I didn't say that exactly right. I don't no, know anyone that, who voted for him. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it it sort of goes to people's bubbles and. In my bubble, uh, I, I don't I don't see that those people saying uh, the election was stolen. Uh, I do hear people saying, and I say it myself, that uh, there were were things that were certainly troublesome about the 2020 election. Um, uh, we're looking at you, Pennsylvania, uh, in terms of. Uh, Things that you know, part of it was was COVID, and there were special procedures and things that were not would not have been done otherwise, and now they're becoming routine and and so forth. And I think, as I say all the time, there's there's fraud in every election. Um, it does does it raise to the level of changing uh, the the results? Uh, very rarely. Um, in this case, I don't think there. And there's certainly in this case, there's been evidence of people who fraudulently voted for Trump. Um, uh, I don't. I don't think, uh, and I've. I think I've been pretty clear about this. Um, that to the extent there there was any were any shenanigans, uh, it was nowhere near close to uh, being able to alter the count uh, in any of the states that would have mattered. Um, and that's sort of the the crowd I tend to run with, right? That that we we say, listen, we have legitimate uh, concerns about election integrity. Um, but that's not the same thing as saying the election was stolen from Trump. And that was the crowd that was essentially running the Republican Party until fairly recently. I mean, that that's the crowd that I think is exemplified by people like, for instance, uh, Senator Rob Portman. And uh, but yeah. but we're seeing, I think, less uh, of, you know, we seeing people like Portman, well, retiring and being potentially replaced, you know, uh, Godspeed to Tim Ryan. But uh, I mean, I think it's going to be Josh Mandel or J.D. Vance. God, pick talk about pick your poison there, you know. So, uh, Mike, Mike, just this afternoon, I got a uh, text from um, uh, uh, James Timken um, uh, saying that uh, she thinks the Ohio Senate race, uh, Senate primary, is in a dead heat. Well, um, okay. I don't, I don't really know, but that, that's what she texted me. So between bad um, and worse, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> when, 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 yeah, the two front anyway. But, but my point being, right, that this is to me, the, the concern is that uh, outside that that your bubble used to be much more representative of the sort of yeah, center of gravity. That's, that's probably true of the party. Then the, the other piece that I would I would add, and I always throw this in, although I don't, with the kind of numbers you're talking about on the surveys, I don't know how much of a difference it makes is uh, something that's fun about Republicans is uh, they love to lie to uh, Democratic, mostly Democratic pollsters. Um, on this, I don't think, I think in a, if anything, and, but, they but would the numbers be, are pretty, the numbers yeah. are pretty striking. Yeah. And, you know, and it's not just that I, the, in the same, I think it was a similar in either, I think it was the same poll. PRI asked about belief in conspiracy theories like QAnon-ish kind of stuff and that sort of thing, because these two things oftentimes, oftentimes will... Right travel together. And uh, just, uh, just a few things that really struck me that are, are of concern to me, at least. 21% of the respondents believe that there is a storm coming soon that will sweep away the elites in power and restore the rightful leaders. Uh, 18% believe that the government 
media, and financial worlds in the U.S. are controlled by a group of Satan-worshipping pedophiles who run a global child sex trafficking operation. And 18% said they believe that because things have gotten so far off track, true American patriots may have to resort to violence in order to save our country. And that number rises to 30% for Republicans and 32% for those who mostly trust Fox News. I mean, those are, those are not insignificant percentages. Mm, I, see, I might, I might argue that, that we, you may have 20% of the population, that that's their mindset um, and, on any given day. But but I mean, if if say like close to a third of of, of Republicans believe that, well, it's 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 getting to be the time where we're going to have to resort to violence. The storm's coming, Mike. Yeah, well, um, I mean, you know, no, that, I think that's I, um, that that strikes me as high and strikes me as as concerning. Um, I mean, and I hope you know, I I. I I hope you're right about all this. We've talked about this before, and I, I think you have a much more sanguine sort of view of it, believing that, you know, the Trump, the Trump wave will sort of recede now that he's out of office and so forth. And well, I think it already is. Yeah, a little but, bit, but. But, but it seems to me that that, like I said, that the kind of sorcerer's apprentice thing that I'm seeing is he's unleashed these forces that I, I think are not going to be controlled. But but again, I really hope that I'm wrong and you're right about this. That's it. So that's, but what I'm saying is I, I, I do know plenty of people. Um, I don't know if I'd say myself included, but if you got a phone call saying, uh, do you believe that the world is controlled um, by Satan, um, uh, sure. satanic uh, pedophiles, pedophiles. Uh, engaged in child, child trafficking and the, the financial world, the political world? Uh, my answer to that is absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just I, sometimes I think the, the poll questions are I think people are pulling their chains. Sure. Well, I mean, and there, um, there may be some people, but and, and when the and, numbers and, get and and yet still, I mean, yeah. besides what you know, look. Uh, um, well, I think I think we're going to get a, Jeffrey Epstein, Jelaine, Jelaine yeah. Maxwell, and the Lincoln Project. Um, yeah. Uh, sort of, sort of make it tough uh, to <laughs> to argue that that none of that well, ever happened. Oh yeah, yeah. No, and but, and, um, and I think it's important to point out that, and we've talked about this before. Right now, I think Donald Trump has endorsed somewhere around a hundred candidates for the, the mid for the uh, midterms and uh, we're going to get much more of a sense of how strong trumpism and trump's name and brand are when we see the results of those republican primaries and then those general elections i think so yeah. uh, i remember, remember the second time ross perot ran yeah uh not 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 too no, well no right does. because exactly yeah yeah all right well let's move on from there and talk about something that is, well, pretty clearly related, I would say, and that's the Electoral Count Act. I mean, the reason the Capitol was the focus on January 6th was Congress's role in certifying the election results. Article 2, Section 1 of the Constitution requires that the President of the Senate shall, in the presence of the Senate and House of Representatives, open all the certificates and the vote shall then be counted. The person having the greatest number of votes shall be the president. Now, after the contentious presidential election of 1876, when there were competing sets of electors in four states, Congress passed the Electoral Count Act of 1887, took them a while, in an attempt to clarify what would happen in these instances. But unfortunately, there's bipartisan consensus that this is a pretty poorly worded piece of legislation. Um, now, the intent, it seems... There are a number, a number of outlets have, have reprinted it in its entirety. Oh, and it's, it is, it's, it's hard. It's, it's fun to read. Yeah, I, mean, I read it, through it. It, it made me scratch my head. Exactly. You know, written by a, by a committee that was, I don't know, drunk or what have you. But... 
I mean, the intent, I think, was to provide a mechanism to deal with competing elector situations. But that there, that certainly wasn't made clear in the wording. And so long as one member of the House and one senator dispute results from a state's electors, each chamber has to consider and vote on whether or not to uphold that dispute and can count those electors. Now, and this is where you get into bad plans. We talked about this earlier. Apparently, the Trump plan, and folks, follow me here. The logic is going to get a little strained, revolved around Congress voting to deny certification in enough states to then deny Biden an Electoral College majority, presumably then throwing the election into the House where each state delegation gets one vote. And since a majority of those delegations are controlled by Republicans, that would make it possible for Trump to be voted president by the House. Now, and you people be very happy. Yeah, though, yeah, that, that wouldn't <laughs> happen for a bunch of reasons. The main, the main reason it wouldn't happen is that Democrats had a majority in the House, and so the two chambers wouldn't have agreed to not certify the states. And in cases where there is a disagreement between the House and the Senate, the tiebreaker is whatever electors the governor of the state certified. So, and even if it happened that way, the Electoral Account Act would have been challenged in court, and a number of people believe it's unconstitutional, as it kind of, in effect, seems to give Congress a power that the Constitution gives pretty clearly to the states. And the reason I bring this up is it's important to keep in mind because, you know, a, a lot of media point out that 147 Republicans in Congress voted to not certify electors in at least one state. But it was, in effect, what we called before a free vote, meaning that they knew there would be no direct consequences for voting to not certify, but in their minds, and I think rightly so, plenty of potential electoral consequences for voting to certify. Um, so recently around this anniversary, there's been a lot of talk about reforming the Electoral Count Act and some like the, abolishing it all yeah, together, the, yes. the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal says it's unconstitutional. It should simply be just repealed. Others are suggesting things like, well, wording that clearly indicates the vice president is an announcer of votes and not a decider of which votes count. Or maybe doing things like raising the bar of objections to certification before you can call for a vote of each chambers. And there is seem to be some Republican support for this. Uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, Minority Whip John Thune have said, well, it's worth considering. McConnell said, you know, there are some clues, some problems with the Electoral Count Act. Um, whereas Democrats uh, seem to, many Democrats at least, seem to think that it's kind of a feint by Republicans to draw attention away from broader election changes that Democrats would like to pass. So I guess I have two questions for you, Jay, at least two questions. All right. First, question one. do you think that the Electoral Count Act should be reformed or repealed? Uh, yes and yes. <laughs> okay, okay, so you would go with repeal well, then. Just yeah, either, either or. I, I, would, I would take either or, but um, I'd prefer repealed. Yeah. Okay, and so you're with yeah you're with the Wall Street Journal editorial board on that. Uh, the Wall Street Journal editorial board is with me. Yeah. Okay, as, you as and I and are. You, you, and Mike, usually, usually I get the privilege of of I say something on the show on on the weekend, and then Monday's editorial, um, you, know? you know, reflects that, uh, so it shows they're listening. But um, no, I, I yeah, I would say I, I tend to agree with uh, the, the Wall Street Journal editorial board, probably nine out of ten times, and it's because we're both sort of yeah. that center right sort of. Um, uh, you know, sensibility. Yeah, but, definitely. I mean, I, I even if even if the art, editorial board of Wall Street Journal had not uh, so opined, <laughs> um, I think that would still be the the right answer. Yeah, that it ought to be abolished. Yeah, I think that's the that's the simpler 
answer and the cleaner uh, solution to this sort of thing. Uh, and, you know, I, I can at least, even if, even if it's not abolished, I can at least potentially see some sort of change because repealed is probably yeah, the, the repealed, word there you go. It's a late, late day Friday. Yeah, yeah, there you go. But I mean, Congress doesn't want, no one in Congress wants a repeat of January 6th. And if they can make it clear that the responsibility doesn't lie with them, they might be inclined to do that. Congress has a long history of trying to not take responsibility for all kinds of things. We've talked about this how many times yeah. on the show? More times than I can count, right? So I could see where that would be politically appealing, right? We want to take it out of our hands, as yep. it should be. Um, but uh, on the other hand, I think Democrats may not allow it to go forward as a standalone thing, as I, as I referred, you know, mentioned before, because they don't want it to seem like, well, they want to give Republicans the ability to say, well, see, we've done something about elections and democracy when that would really be just kind of covering up what a lot of folks on the left, myself included, see as being much larger systemic issues with elections. So I, I, I tend to think that nothing probably will happen on this just because it's just too hot of an issue. And I just don't end up seeing, I just don't see Demo enough Democrats going along to kind of make this happen. I don't know. That's what I think politically. What, what do you think? I mean, here's the easy thing, right? If if you're the Democrats, just uh, put that in the uh, your your uh, election bill. Um, yeah, I, and I'm sure that will thing be, has yeah. to be passed, and and then you can say, hey, look, Republicans, um, we had a a clear, you know, people who said they would vote for this, and you know, make make them you know, make them work, right? I mean, you you have to vote against it and and all that. Um, and um, I wouldn't be but, surprised if that happens. I mean, uh, Schumer's mentioned that they're really going to put the full court press on on Mansion to try to get to be the uh, uh, the necessary Mansion and Cinema to to be the votes yeah. to you know at least uh, change the filibuster for that. From what I last I heard is they even have Oprah talking to him. And I mean, if Oprah can't convince them, you know who who can, right? Uh, so, but I think I mean I think right right there the. Um, uh, uh, that that sort of the, just the game plan. Um, they're not they're not getting it. Um. Uh, so yeah, I, I I don't see it. I don't see any of this happening just simply because I think the Democrats are going to push for a go big or, or or nothing basically, and the Democrats and, and Joe Manchin isn't going to budge on this. Uh, I hope again. I hope I'm. I say this a lot. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong, certainly, and I hope well, he's, that he's floated. He's floated sort of your proposal of sort of having this returning the speaking filibuster. Yeah, and, but you know, and I, I don't know. I, I think in the end, nothing's going We're to happen. We're reforming the filibuster to require this. Yeah, yeah. I, in the end, I think nothing's going to happen happen on any of this, and we're not going to see any significant reforms, electoral reforms or vote counting reforms on the federal level. And so we'll go into 2022 and then 2024 with, you know, just, well, we'll see what happens, but I don't know if it's going to be good. So well, here's, here's my hypothetical that okay. I've been thinking about, and this is what concerns me about the Electoral uh, Count Act. Uh, let's say we uh, were in, in – um, December or early January of, of 2025. And they're counting the votes. And let's say, hypothetically, it's a Biden-Trump uh, rematch. I, I don't think it will, but, but let's just say for the purposes of this conversation, sure. it is. Um, and they come along and, and uh, you have uh, representatives from, say, Texas and Georgia 
uh, or other people who say, listen, we are, we should, these uh, states should, these electoral results should not be counted uh, because we have abhorrent voting laws. Um, you, you can only vote by, you know, by during a certain time of the year and you can't do it from your car at three in the morning and, and so forth. Um, but these are, they're absolutely un-American and uh, these, these results are flawed. Those uh, states' electors should not be counted. Uh, what say you, Vice President Kamala Harris? Um, I mean that that to me is 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 very much a concern. It it, it sort of echoes what um, what uh, House Democrats did in um, uh, 2004, uh, or I guess it would have been 2005 with the the, the Bush reelection, where stood on the floor and said, no, it's because the voting machines were fixed and so forth, which was crazy then and it's crazy now, just as Trump's uh, claims about the um, uh, Venezuelans and, and uh, you know, all that was, was crazy then yeah. and crazy now. Um, but I, I guess for people on the left, I think it's, it's an interesting thought experiment, right? Um, because, and I'm not so much talking to you, Mike, but, but for others who are <laughs> sure. out there who, yeah. no, who, 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 who it would insist that uh, the Green Bay sweep uh, is is necessarily a coup or an insurrection or or so forth? Uh, what if uh, it was turned around the other way and Democrats were saying we're not going to count these votes because we believe the result is necessarily tainted by racist voting laws? Yeah, and I think you or, know, or or the other hypothetical, Mike, is is let's you know the, the counterfactual back in history. Um, it's nineteen. It's nineteen sixty. Um, and Democrats say, and they could, could rightfully, yeah. you know, say, listen, uh, some of these Southern states, uh, we don't think their electors should be counted, uh, because there was not a full and fair vote. There were millions of people who were denied the right to vote a and they were, and they would have been right. So would those, would those dissenters in 1960 have been guilty of, uh, a coup or an insurrection in trying to undo the vote? Yeah, and, and I think yeah, and, and yeah. I think discuss among no, yourself. I think those are yeah, those those are I think those are important hypotheticals, and I think the larger point here is that these are things that need to be decided in advance and not in the heat of the moment when the pressure is on. Which is why it's good to have clear lines in place about well, if the state certifies the vote, then those are the electors that are counted, and the duty yep. of Congress and the Vice President—it's a ministerial duty—they're just announcing it. That's just just yep. like, you know, just like you can be the you can be a Grammy announcer and you don't get to choose, you know, who's the winner yep. is. That's that's yes. that's what I'm talking about. And so I would be in favor of that. And I think both sides. No, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm all in favor of it. I just think the, the I'm. Yeah, like I know said, what I'm you're saying. Yeah. Spinning this out as to. Yeah. When when. Um, again, because you have, have so many Democrats who have used the in the the uh, uh, December, the January 6th commission words about, well, the game planning and the, the PowerPoints and all that. Well, this is evidence of, of treason or insurrection or something like that. Um, and I, I don't know that it is. I think I think there was there was a lack of a factual basis to support it, uh, certainly. And it was a goofy plan from the start. Um, I, but, I, think, I think in the end, what happens if in any of those scenarios is that obviously this gets this gets litigated, and uh, I still have maybe more faith than some people do in the Supreme Court to not be you now. Can, can if he's listening to this, is rolling his eyes because I know he thinks the Supreme Court is hopelessly corrupt for for the right. But uh, I would tend to think in those cases the Supreme Court would would do the uh, would do the right thing. Uh, but it shouldn't have to come to that, you know. Yeah. 
It's, yeah. it's so, so, so yeah, well, we, we shall, we shall see. Now with that, we actually come to the end of our free ad supported segment on the show. And on the full episode, we're going to be talking about all sorts of things. I mentioned the fed December meeting inflation, uh, chief justice Roberts, speaking of him, there's the year end report on the state of the judiciary, Marjorie Taylor green being banned for Twitter and larger issues about that. And some listener questions and comments as well. So if you'd like to get a full episode, all the full episodes, which are ad-free and usually run around two hours, they're available to our Patreon supporters, as well as to anyone who isn't in a position to financially support the podcast at this point, or anyone just like to maybe try out a full show before becoming a supporter. That'd be fine. Uh, to become a Patreon supporter, just go to patreon.com slash politicsguys. Patreon is our main support platform. We know some people aren't in the monthly commitment, so you can support us through Venmo. We're at Politics Guys as well as through PayPal. And all of our support links are in the show notes and at politicsguys.com slash support. And if you want to get free access to full episodes, just email me, mike at politicsguys.com, and I will be happy to take care of that for you. And whether you're a supporter or not, we'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe, rate the show, and leave a review on whatever podcast app you use, share episodes. And don't forget that listener survey that is really important to us. We'd really appreciate if you take a few minutes to fill that out. And again, the link is in the show notes.